BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to Friend of a Friend, a show where we get to sit down, meet a new friend, and go inside the minds of some of the most innovative and creative forces shaping our world today. I'm your host, Olivia Perez, and today we are joined by the one and only Kaylee Spaney, who is currently playing Erin McMenamin on HBO's Mayor of Easttown. If you are like me, you are glued to your television screen every Sunday night. I am obsessed with this show. It is so good. It's such a good, like, whodunit murder mystery. So if you guys are also watching, today you're in for a treat. At just 18 years old, Kaylee landed her first role in Pacific Rim Uprising after winning a nationwide talent search. At the time, Kaylee and her mom would actually routinely make a 25-hour drive from their home in Springfield, Missouri to Los Angeles for auditions for Kaylee. Four years later, she starred in The Craft Legacy on the basis of sex, and her latest role is in HBO's murder mystery, Mayor of Easttown, where she plays a teen mom and Kate Winslet plays the detective that is trying to decode her murder. I got to sit down with the rising star to talk about going from a small town to reaching big city dreams and how she prepared for this pretty challenging role in Mayor of Easttown. Plus, she gives us some awesome behind the scenes from what it was like meeting Kate for the first time to a bit behind her acting process. I hope you guys love the episode. If you haven't caught Mayor of Easttown, head to HBO right now. It will be such a good binge for you, especially because we're coming up on the season finale. There are no spoilers in this episode, so don't worry either. If you haven't followed Friend of a Friend yet and you find yourself coming back and listening, take the time to follow and leave us a review. If you love the show, share it with a friend and share it on social. And if you do, tag me on Instagram. I will always reshare as you guys are posting and probably say hi. Thank you guys so much for spending time with us today. I appreciate you guys. Here's my friend, Kaylee Spaney. Hi. Hi. I'm so good to see your face. I know. Finally. I feel like we've been distant internet friends and I loved that we were put in touch last week and like actually got to communicate not on the internet. It was awesome. Alana put us in a group chat. Yeah. And I've been, I've been stalking both of you on Instagram for so long now. So I felt so honored to to be put in touch and to be on this podcast today. It's my first Mm -hmm. podcast. 
Oh my God, guys, everyone be nice. It's our first podcast ever. That's so exciting for people who are listening who might have followed me for a while. It was little mommy Lonnie who put us in touch and she's the greatest of all time. If you don't follow her, definitely follow her because she has, she's an incredible photographer, incredible artist. And she's just like another girl that we all love and love to spread the love her way too. Yeah, I like ran up to her at some Hollywood party uh, like a couple years back. I was like, hey, I, I love you. I'm such a big fan. And she was just so cool. And she's like, yeah, man, that's that's awesome. Let's hang out. I'm sure people do that to you all the time. So it's awesome that you are, can do it right back. <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. No, that's really fun. I love that. Where are you calling in from? Where are you? I'm in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, my cute little apartment in Brooklyn. So happy to be here. Been living here for like two years and lived in LA before, but yeah, I've got, I've I've got a special connection with New York. I love it so much. Are you in LA? I am in LA, but I too was in New York for 10 years and like have the special connection as well. Yeah. It's such a city that I feel like it becomes a part of you when you live there. Yeah. Hook it up. Tell me all the the rest, where should I eat? Oh, <laughs> There's much to do other than eat, but <laughs> in Brooklyn, I love Cafe Mogador. If you haven't been, it's in Williamsburg. Yes, I just so went. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, if you can fi- somehow find a way to finagle a reservation at Lucali, it is some of yes, the best pizza I've too. ever had. She did it. Oh like, my God, guys, I'm, I'm like finagle right, it. I'm like right next door, like five no, minute don't. walk. Walking distance from Lucali. You do? You live yes. five guys. You live five minutes from Lucali. I mean, thankfully, it's so hard to get in that I have only eaten there like two or three times. But if that wasn't the case, that's exactly what would have been happening. I love that, and I am so jealous. Yes, just so jealous. Okay, so you have like my kind of top two spots that I would go to. Cool, in so very cool. Yeah, no, you're you're doing great. You're doing great. So obviously, I'm so excited to have you on the show today because I am like glued to my screen every Sunday with Mary Town. Yes. But I know, and we're so happy for you. Like, honestly, like what a fun, what a crazy role to have and what an incredible show to be a part of. Yeah, I feel so honored to be, play a small part of that incredible ensemble. And it's been such a treat for me to watch this project unfold every Sunday night. Because I was only on set for a short little snippet. I think altogether, I only filmed like five, seven days um, for that role. I mean, it then got chopped up into six months because of the pandemic, which was really strange and tricky. But it's been so nice. I I feel like I can watch it as a viewer. I mean, I did read the script, (laughs) but I forgot a lot of what happened. So yeah, like Sunday night, me and my boyfriend are like, oh my God, it's Mare night. And uh, the performances are just unbelievable. And it, Evan Peters and obviously Kate Winslet and Jean Smart is just so perfect. An icon. An icon. An icon. Wow. wow. Incredible. So, so you're not going to tell us what happened today? <laughs> <laughs> I, n- no, but you know, one She's thing like, I'll no. say, <laughs> no, is I think it's a, a testament to the writers and how well they did it. Not one of my friends has guessed it correctly. Which no way. I think is pretty good, especially with only two episodes left. I Yeah, that's a feat. Because I feel like, you know, I feel like a lot of people are comparing it to like the same hype that we had of the undoing where people were so in it and so trying to figure out what the ending was and 
There was, I remember on Instagram every single week, we'd get to a point where I'd see people trying to decipher what's going on and figure out how the ending was. And a lot of people, I remember a lot of people guessed it right. So if you have someone who's not guessing it right at this point, it means you definitely did a good job. I love that one too. I love the undoing. It's just Mm -hmm. such a fun whodunit. I'm a sucker for that. Me too. Sucks me right in. Like, and then I'm, I'm hooked. I'm an easy sell. You know what I mean? Like, give me a murder mystery. I'm in. Yes, totally. But so I want to go way back to your childhood. I want to get to know you a little bit more and get our audience get to know you a little bit more. Tell us about your upbringing and where you're from originally. I was born in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was Mm. raised in Springfield, Missouri, Southern Missouri. And my childhood was, was uh, strange. I mean, it was, I think the thing that set me, sets me apart from a lot of people is that I um, actually dropped out of school when I was 13 years old. I just wasn't, I was not, testing was not my thing. And I just Mm. could not connect for some reason. And it was a very strange upbringing. And that's something that definitely, obviously, (laughs) don't advise that to young people. (laughs) But it was, it became sort of like this gateway into all these other creative outlets. But I think the really beautiful moments that came out of it were art. Um, And that was sort of my saving grace during my childhood. And I just kind of did everything I could get my hands on in the town that I grew up in. There's not a lot of people and there's, there's not a lot going on, but anything that was creative, I was sinking my teeth into, whether it was theater I was doing tons of theater growing up. I was in a kid's band at the age of 11 and then started doing cross-country road trips to Los Angeles when I turned 15, I think. So yeah, wild childhood. But I think that's, I think what's interesting about hearing what you said is like testing in school isn't for everybody and not to diminish. I'm sure you had a lot of challenges growing up as it sounds like, but I think being able to really invest your time in the arts and what you love to do must have been a very mature way to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. It was unique in that way. I was also surrounded by adults at the age of 13 and that sort of impacted the way that I uh, socialize with people too. And, and I think it served me in a lot of ways now that I'm in this industry and my days can sometimes be filled with general meetings with producers and, and, you know, people who are significantly older than me. And I've always been drawn to more of mentor relationships than hmm. friends, friendships, which now I'm trying to work on. Now I'm trying to find yeah. a path to connecting with people my own age. I mean, it's always tricky moving to, I moved to, to the largest cities in the country, you know, Los Angeles yeah. and New York. And, and then, you know, trying to navigate friends in this industry has been, has been interesting, but, you know, I look back and there's so many gifts that came out of my childhood and I'm really thankful for what acting has given me and the opportunities. I mean, to, to get to travel to different parts of the world and it's hard to, expand your mind sometimes in the small town and the small town ideas. And I think I wouldn't be who I am without my job 
and I'm truly in love with it. And I'm, I'm thankful to say that everything that I have in my life is what I was working for at the age of 11, 13. I'm like right where I've always wanted to be, which I don't think a lot of people can say. So, you know, I'm really proud of myself and I have to remind myself that. So it's good to have these conversations and look back because, you know, I think it's, it's easy to get caught up and not go back to where you're from and all the things that shaped you, you know, so I think it's like having, you have to, even though sometimes we can all have like, you know, challenging childhoods, I think having reverence for that process and wherever it took us to where we are now is an important thing. And it sounds like you do. It sounds like you're processing it in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back after a quick break. Are you looking for a therapist right now? A conversation that I noticed I've had far too often with my friends is that they love a therapist, but don't know how to find the right one, which is why I actually started using BetterHelp. And I think if you're on the hunt, they could help you too. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available, affordable, and convenient. So anyone who's struggling with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere with licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists. What I love most about it is that it's an extremely customized experience. Upon entering their website, you can select whether it's for you, for you and a partner, or even as a parent with kids. You select your preferred pronouns, age, and also give a gauge of where you're at in your life so they can best help you find the therapist that will fit your needs. You can also decide how you want to communicate with your counselor, whether it's via text or a video session. And in today's world, it has been so nice for me to talk to my counselor from home. No uncomfortable waiting rooms necessary. I feel safe and secure from my couch and at a time that's convenient for me. It's available worldwide for anybody listening outside of the U.S. right now. It's really affordable compared to other programs out there. And there's financial aid available. I want you guys to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com friend. You'll be joining over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash friend. Now let's get back to the show. Earlier, you mentioned that you started to make road trips out to LA. And I'm curious, okay. was that what introduced you to entertainment? How did you make it from Springfield to LA? It was a lot of begging my family to get into a minivan and drive co- cross country. It's a 25 hour drive from Springfield to Los Angeles. We would usually split it up into three day trips. And I think it, it was sort of just, <laughs> I was playing with my kids band at some event and some guy came up to me and gave me his card. He said he knew people in LA that almost signed him when he was in a band at my age. And so I was going to do, I thought I was going into music (laughs) and I set up some, this guy set up some appointments with some managers and agencies. And that was enough. I mean, thinking about it now, I was like, how the hell did I cling on to, I mean, it was, it was like nothing, you know, it was like, Hey, I know this guy who has a roommate who is a manager. And that yep. was enough for me to be like, let's pack the minivan, take this three day hour drive and go. And I mean, thank God I did. I remember the feeling of being in the van and sitting shotgun and going over the hill and seeing the lights of Los Angeles. And like my stomach just dropped 
and I started tearing up and it was just this magical, magical moment that I had been waiting my whole adolescence for. And yeah. Uh, yeah, from that moment on, I mean, my life was forever changed, but it did take some time. So I signed up, signed with my agent, agent and my, my manager. And it was four years after that moment until I booked Pacific Rim. So there was a lot of back and forth trips in the summer during a pilot season. I would go, is that the summer? I don't know. And then tons of self-tapes back in Missouri. And I booked Pacific Rim off of a self-tape when I was 18 years old. And then I had to get a passport and I moved to Australia and China for six months. There was not a a lot of like gradual entrance into this industry for me. It was like a couple of short films that I had done in Missouri, a lot of musical theater. (laughs) And then I was the female lead in a franchise film filming in Australia and China. And ever since then, I feel like I haven't really stopped until the pandemic happened, but it was just a total whirlwind. I'm sure people who are listening or tuning in maybe have aspirations of acting or getting into entertainment. And I think it's a slow burn, at least for, you know, until you get that role. I'm wondering what kind of got you through those four years of still kind of refining your craft and still putting yourself out there. Because I'm sure that, I'm sure to an extent it was discouraging being, especially being a teenager, being removed, not being in LA where it all is. What kind of kept you motivated? I I was a kid. That was part of it. You know, I still had a lot of, uh, it was a fun hobby. Mm -hmm. It's like that innocent, it's so purely like innocent that there's almost an ignorance to it, which is like ignorance is bliss moment. Which is, is something that, I try to carry with me now today, mm-hmm. like, even though this is something that yes, now pays my bills. How do I keep coming back to that moment when I was 15 years old and I was spending days on a self tape and, and researching, you know, out of com- pure love, not knowing if it was ever going to happen for me or if I was ever going to book anything. It was just out of complete joy and, catharsis that it gave me. I don't know what I believe in, but there does, it feels something higher power-ish. Yeah. You have a dream or an aspiration where, and I'm not like this about really anything else. I have a lot of self-doubt. I can be a bit pessimistic, but when it came to that particular thing, acting, performing, I knew in my gut whether I was, it was going to happen in the next year or the next 30 years that it was going to happen for me. And yeah. I was going to put every fiber of my being into that. So it's hard to pin down what exactly kept me going. It sounds cliche, but it was just a pure love for. Yeah. I feel like that higher power feeling, especially when you're working to a hard, so hard towards something, it feels like you're almost stepping into your purpose. Definitely. Yeah. And that feeling is, it's hard to describe, but when you felt it, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I get that. So you mentioned Pacific Rim. You were just in the craft as well. And something that really, I think, gravitated me towards you and in learning about you was just how young you are, how many incredible roles you've done, how beautiful the roles that you've chosen are. 
but then also trying to understand how at 22 years old, you've been able to navigate one of the trickiest industries in the world. How has that been for you? I mean, I think I give a lot of credit to the people around me who have been my support system. And I have a really incredible team and agent and manager. And when I don't see the thing in me, they do, which is, Mm. I think it's really important to have that. Totally. Whoever you're collaborating with, your friends, the people who's like my agent and my manager, they see my art before I send it out. They see all my self-tapes before I send it out. Right. We have those in-depth conversations of, um, is this role worth it? And that's really hard for me to, it's hard for me to have those conversations because I feel so lucky to just be in this industry at all that I'm like, let me just work all the time. This is just so crazy to be in movies and, and, and TV. Like, this is wild. Like, let me do every job. And they are there to be like, no, let's wait this one out. I think there's something better coming. I think we can be strategic about this which I'm, um, I'm very thankful to have. I think it's so much about your team, like having people that are around you that are supporting you and also seeing the blind spots. I've like in the past year and a half, that's something that I've like leaned into so much more is like you can't see everything around you all the time. You can't be the person yeah. that does everything when you're building a business, especially when the business is you. So I think that's great feedback that having a team that that knows you so well and really you're all aligned on the same goal and the same purpose is like, yeah, just, it's the most amazing feeling to feel that support and know that you're covered. Totally. And I think you also have to, like, you are going to make mistakes and there are going to be slip ups and you kind of just have to do it. And there's, it's like, you have to take it seriously, but not too serious, you know, cause it's, it's just, there's so many factors in this industry. There's so many reasons why you don't get a role. Yeah. It can be really hard. It can be nasty. It can be, it can really bring you down and you can, it's so hard not to take it personally because every time you're auditioning or trying to get another job, it's your face, it's your body. Exactly. It always feels so personal, personal, but yeah, I think that's always been a challenge for me on, on how to, I felt like with this, this, this industry, I sort of had like a death grip on it for so long. And like, like this was my only form of happiness or my only form of, it, it was my everything. And then I have to sort of back away from it and try to find the balance. Um, my friend, Carl Glessman, who I did devs with, he sort of like wrote this little pie chart out for me of art and family and friends and hobbies. And I know it sounds so simple, but I always go back to that in my head and that it it doesn't have to make up all of who you are, you know? Yeah. I love that. You can, you can find balance. And I honestly think after that, it sort of makes your work better because there's less pressure on it when you go out and you have experiences and you put equal time into your friends and your family and um, other things that you love that aren't your source of income, it then makes your art and your projects better. Someone came on the podcast. I think it was Carly Stein. She's the founder of a a beauty company, a wellness company actually called Beekeepers Naturals. And she was telling me about, you know, why she pivoted into the company that she's in. And she talked about, she sat down one day and she was kind of unhappy and she wrote down 
a list of all the things that were around her when she was at the happiest in her life. Mm. And it ended up being kind of like what you were talking about, this pie chart of, you know, an equal balance of family, life, you know, what was she, what was she doing when she's the most happiest? And it actually let her kind of build out a game plan for her career and what she wanted for her life. It's, it's kind of like a very logical, written down form of manifesting yeah. in my mind. Yeah. But I think it's important to take that inventory sometime. like I lo- sometimes. Like I love that you had that pie chart in your mind. You can always go back and reference it. And when you feel like you're faltering a little bit, you have something that can kind of get you back into gear. In an interview, I saw you said something that I thought was really, really great. And it was that you don't need to be to stand out in the entertainment to, su- to be successful, but you need to be yourself and embrace your perfections your imperfections, excuse me, embrace your perfections. I love that. That's where yeah, I, I love today. that too. <laughs> love that too. But embracing your imperfections. And I read that from this interview that you did. And I was like, I love that. It doesn't need to be this like big showy thing. Like, look how I'm standing out. It's more about how can you embrace who you are fully and bring that to your job every day and share that with the world. And I would love to hear a little bit about how you've taken that mindset into the roles that you've worked on up to now. I think it's a challenge for me every single day. So it's it's funny. That I was like, huh, I wonder what interview or where I was at in my life when I said that. Because that was really, that's really why. <laughs> I have it saved somewhere on my computer. I'll send it to you. But isn't that awesome that you can reflect? I think that's so interesting. Yeah. And that's kind of why I love this podcast. Totally. Like in a decade from now, people can like reflect back and be like, wow, that's the headspace I was in in that moment. Like yeah, I mean, cool I think even more, more so for you, too, because you're doing it so consistently, you can have little, maybe I should do one just by myself, a little podcast. <laughs> I actually tell so many people who, what, like, no matter what you do for a living, like, if you can record yourself talking for 10 minutes a day, almost like this audible journal that you have to always yeah. go back and reference and hear the way you were talking and what was kind of coming to mind. I think it's such a cool introspective experience that you can learn a ton from. I love that. I think I'm going to do that. Do it. I can't, I want, do it and let me know how it goes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I felt like something shifted whenever I started going into meetings and auditions and I, and I just let my guard down and I just met these people where I was that day. And, um, tried to be my truest self and not filter myself as much as possible, you know, and I, I really, I truly saw a shift and I started getting more callbacks and it was just a way more re- rewarding experience to, you know, get that sort of feedback and it be because I went in there being very mindful of be yourself who you are right now. If you've had a crappy day, if you've, if, if you're feeling great about life, if something's exciting, like whatever it is to just, you don't have to, I feel like there's always a pressure to cover yourself up or fit into people's boxes, especially when you're auditioning in this industry and to kind of come as this like perfectly wrapped gift and be like, I'm the perfect person for this role. And to be part of this project. And I, I think it's just, uh, it can be unrealistic. And more than anything, people just want to see another human being that's also going through it. And I, I think this time through the pandemic has been very um, enlightening. And now that we're all having Zoom meetings, like getting on these calls with these 
big heads of companies and you hear their baby crying in the background or like, can you just yeah. give me a couple minutes? I need to go handle this or here's my dog or I really need to go pee, you know, like, or, you know, I, it just makes everyone seem so human or like the pile yes. of laundry in the background. <laughs> totally. No, it's, it's been such a humanizing experience. I couldn't agree more. And I think while I do think that there are obviously there should be a return to some extent and some like quote unquote or, professionalism, like to get some business done to an extent. I also just think that I'm happy that now we're having the conversation about what's the happy medium. We're not just on this like extreme spectrum of like really buttoned up and pretending like everybody's not dealing with the same things. I think this really yeah. kind of lifted the veil on that. And I think we're going to have more of a happy medium. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's talk about Mare of Easttown because I'm obsessed with it. It is so good. And I think what is so interesting to me is I'm sure it must have been so cool for you to play a character that basically defines the whole show. But as an actress, you only had these few couple of moments to grab the world's attention in that moment. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your role, you play Aaron McMenamin, who in the first episode, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm only going to talk about this first episode. I'm not going to give you any spoilers. And I'm going to tell you to go watch the show right now because I don't know what you're doing if you're not watching it. But in the first episode, you get tragically murdered. And the whole series is about figuring out who your killer is. And it is a wild ride, you guys have to tell you. But so I'd love to hear a little bit about when you first saw the script, what was so exciting to you about it? Well, you know, I think I had only read the first episode when I booked the role. Like they only gave me the first, the pilot episode. Right. So I had, it's funny because once I started having those meetings and they're like, wait, have you read the other episodes? I'm like, no. They're like, oh shit, get ready. Like it's so crazy. But yeah, I just read the first episode and I mean- it was a no brainer to me. Like all the people attached were incredible. Yeah. With people over at HBO. I mean, it was, it was dreamy, you know, but I think the role is sort of deceivingly difficult because you see, when you see it on paper, you're like, Oh, I'm only in the first episode and this is what I do. And I work for a week and that's it. But when they were talking to me about it, they're like, your, your character is the heart of the show. And if, nobody cares about her then there's really no point and why you sh would want to stick around so totally. it then became a huge challenge to get that across in the few scenes that I have and make you know people feel for her and fall in love with her I mean uh, the writing is all there but I wanted to uh, do it justice obviously and and bring to the table all that I could but it was yeah, it was it was a wild experience. Like I said, I was only supposed to work on it for two weeks and then the pandemic happened and I came back and there were a couple of challenges with that. One was because I play a teen mom and the twins that I was working with at the top of of the first episode, they Oh wow. Oh, they did they they grew up. <laughs> Holy shit. They were like fully walking. And so then when I came back to film it six months later, we couldn't use those babies anymore. So I had to do, there's this monologue in the first episode that I do to my baby. And you don't ever see the baby when I'm doing this monologue. 
And it's not yeah. because it was written that way. It was because we couldn't use a baby. So I was doing it to this very terrifying fake replica doll, like very realistic fake baby doll that I used Scary. as an eyeline. And then I did a couple takes. I'm like, can you just take the... <laughs> The, you the just doll put like a away. post-it actually, note there and the doll can go. No, that's exactly what I did. I said, put a piece of tape. The baby is not helping me. My ex-boyfriend in the show, Dylan, his name's Jack, but he, the babies could not stand him. And they ended up having to, they had like a shot where he's holding the baby and they had to end up taking the the baby's father, the, the, the real father and putting him in hair and makeup and putting him in a full on wig just so they could get a shot of the baby that wasn't screaming. Wow. Um, Look, that a little was, behind the scenes, guys. Lots, behind of, the scenes. lots of craziness going on. I'm also a big fan of Jack. I loved him in The Society. If you guys are oh, yeah, viewers so of The good. Society, he was in it as well. So it's an amazing cast all around. It's so yeah. much fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I want to get back to your role a little bit. Obviously, you play a teen mom, but there's also the role is tough. I think your character goes through so much. She's bullied. She's beaten. She's like bullied by kids in school and especially yeah. with your ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend. There's a lot of turbulence there. Ooh. And it's devastating to watch because I think it it's honest to an extent of what a lot of teenagers go through in America today or, and around the world. Yeah. And I think I, I, I would actually love to hear a little bit about what that prep was like because of the fact that you're dealing with such heavy themes and I'm sure there's a desire to represent them well, especially totally. as they are such like prevalent, pervasive topics today. Yeah. Um, I watched a lot of YouTube videos and clips mm. of teen moms who vlog their life, their like everyday wow. life with their baby and uh, sort of their like morning routines and also talking about the fathers of their babies in the process of figuring out who the father was and what that was like in school, going back to school or some teen moms who, you know, had to drop out of cheer or drop out of school altogether. And these really heartbreaking stories of these, you know, these, these kids, these teenagers, babies about having babies and how it changed their whole world. I watched a lot of teen mom. <laughs> <laughs> which was I wanted to ask if you had tuned into that but I was like hey, I, I'm gonna I did let, let her I, tell was, me her references first I was a lot of just like bawling in my hotel room mm-hmm. watching teen mom just like snot tear just heartbreaking stories and watching them try to navigate the whole thing and uh, yeah absolutely heartbreaking but yeah there's a lot of that that was my main resource was YouTube there was a lot of young kids who just get on YouTube and just tell their whole life story from start to finish. So yeah, I found, I found that the best way to connect and to um, really get it. And also the structure of a lot of the small towns that these girls were coming from um, reflected the one in Maravie's town too. And just sort of the setup and how the system sort of fails these young girls and the structure or their home life and all of that is really heartbreaking. So yeah, that was something I, I wanted to get across in the show as well. And I think that the writing of the show is so beautifully done I, coming from a small town. Yeah. Myself, it, it touches on some really specific nuances in 
that sort of setup of those towns that I haven't seen touched upon, you know, how Mare is run is trying to solve this case and she's cousins with someone or she's grown up her whole life with another person and and that it's feels definitely very- a small town murder mystery. Who done it? Like everyone's yeah. interconnected. Everyone's cousins yeah. with someone. Someone's but married. But there's also a lot of beautiful moments too that come from small towns that yes. it touches on, and um, a lot of love and and when some. I mean, I remember when something tragic like that would happen where I was from. It shook the whole town. Like, mm-hmm. and and you were running into those family members that that had happened, and it it really does. It's a whole different a ripple effect that happens in small towns that you wouldn't you know necessarily feel feel in a big city um so I think it just does it so so beautifully so yeah what was your favorite moment filming the show favorite moment well I met one of my best friends on the show now her name's Ruby Cruz and she's an incredible actress she's about to blow up she's she's the lead of this Disney Plus show called Willow that's filming in Wales right now. And I got to meet her. She plays my best friend in Amerivis Town, and then she became my best friend in real life. I love and that. so that was really it's so sweet and so special when those moments happen. I also did, even though I didn't shoot any scenes with Kate Winslet, whenever she came into the makeup trailer, you never know what's going to happen, right? You know, this is right. one of the biggest actresses ever. She's an uh, absolute legend. So she comes in, I'm getting my hair and makeup done. I'm like, I don't know if she's going to even say hello or what's going to happen. And she just comes right up behind me in the chair and gives me this huge bear hug. And it's just like, so nice to meet you. How are you? How are you feeling? Do you feel okay? Do you feel like what, what has been the environment on set? Do you feel like just totally taking the reins and making sure that I felt comfortable and um, happy and she just really didn't, she didn't need to do that. It was just, but she did. And she's so kind and pro. And you find that in the industry, or I found that the, the real, the real ones, you know, are always the ones yeah. who have everyone's name memorized on set, who check in with you, who really care, who make the process fun, who have that balance of taking it seriously, but also uh, knowing when to to have a laugh and so she's definitely one of those people, which is really cool to say. So you guys can catch Mare of Easttown every Sunday night on HBO. And if you want to follow Kaylee, you can follow her on Instagram. I'll put it in, before I spell it out, I'm going to put it in the description of this episode. <laughs> I'm so used to spelling things out for everybody on the podcast. I'm like, <laughs> www. No, but I'll put her Instagram in the bio. Let's do some lightning round questions before we close out. What are you watching right now? I'm watching, well, none none of these things are new, but I finally watched the first season of Succession and I died. Oh my. I died. People listening I, are jumping in their seats right now because I, I all I do is post Succession memes. What? Yeah, there's an oh, Instagram account. Me. There's an Instagram account called, no, sorry, a Twitter account called No Context Succession. And it's okay. just like random clippings from the show. <laughs> It's my favorite show in the world. I am like that annoying person that will like text my friend who knows a friend at HBO, who knows someone else at HBO that works on Succession and be like, get me a release date. Like, I'm not annoying. Oh, so I see God. you. I see wow. you. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. You're next level. I haven't, I haven't seen something that made me want to physically puke. <laughs> like, uh, I wanted to barf that, that first 
a season finale, I was like, I, I was wired. I was, yes. you know, I was like, I watched it and I was going to bed and I was just staring at the ceiling. You Wild. never forget oh. where you were on at the season one. <laughs> You'll never forget where you were when you watched the season one finale of Succession. And what we're going to be telling our children one day. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Where I'm you so excited for you that you're embarking on this journey yeah, and it's the exciting. ride of a lifetime. Yes. I'm also obsessed with Criterion Channel. Do you have that? I don't. Teach me. Uh, it's teach a streaming. Me. It's a streaming service called Criterion, and it's all these just it's some of the best films of cinema history on this one channel. And they spotlight different directors and some very cool films on Criterion. A lot of oldies that are are essential to watch if you're a movie okay. lover. So I would definitely recommend Criterion. Yeah, that's what that's what I've been up to. Love that. Maravie's Town takes place. Is this town, it's a little bit outside of Philly. So what is your favorite word to say in that very distinctive Philly accent? I mean, well, I don't know if you've seen the SNL skit that came out that was, uh, did a spoof on the show. But if you haven't, it's hilarious. It was when Elon Musk was uh, hosting. Oh, last weekend. Okay, I missed it. I got to watch yeah. it. So they did a Maravie's Town spoof and that one was really, so it's not even from the the show or something I like <laughs> from the show, but it, it's the skit is called Murder Dirter, Mur- Murder Daughter, Murder wow. Dirter. Wow. I feel like I've just been going around my apartment just saying Murder Dirter <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, a unique accent. It's so unique. What is your number one tip if someone is listening right now and they want to get into entertainment, they want to act? What is the tip for honing in on that craft? Yeah, I think uh, specifically advice for people who aren't from big cities, who are from smaller towns, is that just getting yourself out there, whether it's a Facebook group or putting it in your Instagram stories, just reaching out and trying to find the creatives in your town, wherever you're from, because they're out there. There are people like you who are are want to make things. I think you just just try to put yourself out there as much as possible and and make some sort of content. And I made a like a, a reel whenever I was younger, a reel of all the different things that I had done on stage and on screen. I'd only done like two short films, but I put it all together on a reel and I had a package so I could send it out. I mean, that feels yeah. like very practical advice, but I think that that's advice that I, I would like to have is, um, I was just always messaging people like, Hey, you want to make a song? You want to write a song today? Or, Hey, I want to, film a music video or do you want to make a short film or hey I'm an actor can you put me in something or can I help on this set in any way and they're there there there's creatives everywhere so just put yourself out there Kaylee I'm so glad that we got to meet thank you so much for coming on so nice good I'm so so glad to see you and finally talk to you thank you so much for having me anytime this, this podcast is so special like when I listened to an episode and it was just it was oddly like calming in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. Like I just felt like I was at a coffee shop with two amazing people, you and someone else on the show, just like eavesdropping. I just, it's just felt so natural. And I'm so, um, glad. Uh, so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad that I got to be a part of it.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.